time to sit down and interview what some people in the entertainment business do. So sit back and relax, and you will see there's so many talented people on understudy. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Understudy Podcast. I hope yous are all well. I hope yous missed me because I miss you guys. I'd like to apologise that I didn't release an episode last week. Um, what had happened was I had an audition and the audition was quite intense and I ended up straining my voice because I didn't warm up properly. So I couldn't really speak. So word to the wise to all you actors out there, make sure you warm up properly even for an audition. It's very, very important. Um, so that's why I didn't have an episode up last week. I really didn't have the voice to interview anyone. But I have the pleasure now to introduce our next episode, which is the amazing Ariel Anthony Hales. Anthony is an amazing guy. He's a great director, writer and producer that I had the pleasure and the honor of working with on two movies so far. And Anthony is the type of actor that Uh, actor sorry he's the type of director that really is for the actor he really listens to people and takes on board what they have to say and for an actor it's really amazing to work with people like Anthony because you feel confident enough to try new things and it might not exactly be what they're looking for maybe he says no but he's always open to trying things with the actors or listening to the actors and if it helps the betterment of the movie, he will he will say yes. And if it doesn't, he says no. But he's he's so um, attentive and he's so he's so well. Like he really likes to listen to his actors and take on board what they have to say. So we have a nice conversation today about acting, about writing, about producing. And I didn't think it would go this way, but it went very motivational. I think there's a lot of motivation in this episode and he, he's really a motivating sort of person so i think you a lot of people really gain stuff from from what he has to say so i really hope you enjoy it thank you guys for listening in sorry it took two weeks but it is worth it so enjoy there's so many talented people on understudy how are you bro good man it's it's, it's always the same like yeah we're either working on horror or you know, going out in the sun having a beer or something. So they're like two polar opposites. Was that? They're like two polar opposites. Yeah, we do a really, really weird horror, gory horror horror movie. Then we go and chill in the sun. Yeah. Have some but, candy. But, yeah. I mean the gory horror, so Frostbite was quite gory, but I like the ghost stories as well. Yeah. So Advent was more less gore. Yeah. So to introduce to you, everyone, this is Anthony Hales or Ariel Anthony Hales. I don't know which one you like to go by. Let's go with my real name. Let's announce it. Ariel. 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 <laughs> it's not Ariel, like the mermaid. No. It's Ariel. It's not like the washing powder. Ariel. <laughs> or the mermaid. <laughs> Ariel. Yeah. Anthony Hales. And a lot of people, of course, know me as Anthony because, yeah, if it, you know, sometimes. RL can get a bit complicated. Where does RL come from? I think it's a Celtic name meaning free man, but okay. it's also I've never ever heard it again, really. So because yeah, I, I haven't really heard it in Celtic in any Irish kind of RL. I really like it. I like, I like the name a lot. It's just that 
Errol or Ariel. Um, I don't like it so much, but Errol is <laughs> it's cool. Errol sounds sort of Frenchy and, and uh, I know yeah. high class, you know. So you're classy. But this is Errol Anthony Hills. Errol <laughs> Anthony or Anthony. Um, he is a director, writer, producer. Um, what else can I say about you? Pervert? Uh, pervert. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't, it's not true. Um, Errol Anthony Hales is a writer, director, producer, and he's one of the, the fantastic people that can do all of that in the one production. So we worked on a, a, on a, a movie together, Frostbite, and I mean, you wrote, you directed, and you produced yeah. Um, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, we, so that's a tough, tough old thing with the, um, with the COVID restrictions in place as well. It's quite hard to, you know, do indie filmmaking as it is. And then with all that COVID stuff, it was even harder. But we thrive on it, so it's good. I mm. want the next thing to be even harder because the thing is, you learn a lot from that. So, yeah, it's hard, though, to juggle the hats. Um, you know, when you're producing, you're in a very different frame of mind to if you're in that creative space. So, <coughs> pardon me, part of the skill set there is just being able to kind of juggle different frames of mind all, all the time. And actually, I had a lot of help with the amazing Dovale, who, who you know. Yes. So she, she we have also great. interviewed Dovale, and I'm sure many of you have, have heard her. Dovale is the second most listened to on this podcast. Wow, yeah, her interview was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from all of them. I thought Vince and Jason, everyone who's who might be listening into this, I listened into those and thought they were great. Who yeah. was the first most popular one? The, uh, a guy called Darren Conway. Darren is an Irish oh, comedian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's quite big. He's doing great things for himself. So I'm really happy. Um, I'm really. I've heard of Darren. Sorry for him. Yeah, he's, he has like 80k followers on Instagram. He's a really big. You know, there's a lot of uh, com comedy sketches and he's really funny. So definitely check him out. And if anyone hasn't, yeah. check, him out, check him out. He's in a, a Hunky Dory's advert now and it's really, really funny. He's doing wow. Okay. He's really, really funny. <laughs> so, and he's a great guy. He's great. He was so sound to talk to. He's really nice. He's a really, Aww. really good guy. So I'm, I'm really happy and I'm happy to follow his career right now. And I hope it gets bigger, which I think it will. Um, but you mentioned uh, directing and producing. What would yeah. you say are the two biggest differences in writing and directing? Oh, in producing, sorry, in directing. In producing and directing. So producing is... Um, so with directing, you, you've got... Uh, you've got ideas. I, I don't want to say this vision thing that people say. Um, I mean, you, you have an idea of where things are going. With your team, very collaborative, that you want to get to that place. But it's very creative because it's... Um, say, when we worked on the Werewolf Santa film, whatever it ends up being called, in terms of distributors, etc., Frost White Well Santa. When you've got the sleigh sat in the snow and it's being lit and there's costumes and there's the initial script and everyone's working towards making that picture or that story moment really resonate, that's an amazing thing. Mm. And that's when you kind of bring it to life. So when you're producing, it's kind of money, really. Two things, you, a good producer should make money from the film. Mm -hmm. It's more commercial. So then you can make more and you can make investors happy and that's always what you want to do and you want to utilize the money with things like tax breaks but when you're talking about tax and then you're talking about a werewolf attack on, on a you know bunch of doggers and santa's a werewolf they don't work very well together it just doesn't really gel very well so 
you've got to kind of keep them in separate places. So that that is the challenge. Uh, but the difference is one one's way more creative, uh, which is so much fun. I mean, I love the writing directing thing. The the producing executive producing is good because you can raise the money and make projects happen. So a lot of people, I'm quite lucky that I've got that that sales ability that I learned through other parts of career and. Without yeah. that, you can be a bit stuck, you, you know, without the ability to make a project happen sometimes, it can be a bit tricky. So I do recommend to people that they um, <laughs> learn learn a bit more about that if yeah. they want to, but not if they really, really don't want to. I mean, I, I, I've been lucky enough to, you know, work with you in a few different projects and, and mm. just befriend you, but I've been learning a lot on the producing side. And I think it's very important for actors um, and any, any really creative person, I think it's important to know the production side of it, because I think it's it's a good way to understand how their minds work. Yeah. And if you ever want to produce stuff yourself, it's, it's, it's so amazing. But I just I really think any actor should should learn something about producing, because I think we, you know, we get irritated or annoyed at, at, at certain things we have no control over. And if you understand their perspective, you have a better time understanding Oh, okay, it's not. It's they're trying their hardest. They're doing. Uh, this is how, but this is how they think. So definitely, I agree. How how did you start off in mm. this line of work? So Anthony, you work yeah. um with haunted the haunted cinema. Yeah, which is your company. Um, yeah. The the way it all began. Uh, so let's go right back. So I'm one of eleven kids, six brothers and four sisters. Wow. And we, watch a lot of horror movies like Nightmare on Elm Street and that was always yeah. fun to watch people scared at movies and then I was at Goldsmiths University quite quite a lot later in life obviously um, doing theatre and film and that was always great watching things like Psycho or The Birds and Hitchcock stuff and other loads of great cinema so there's always that creative thing and it was always writing and uh, directing theatre at that time and the writing just from the word go since probably the age of like I don't know five or seven or something it's just always the writing's been there and then the producing and the sales element kind of came in after graduating and realizing that it would be a good tool to kind of have the producing side and I worked with a couple of companies raising money for films by giving people tax breaks so they win. So when you're selling something, you've got to help someone solve a problem. So you can't say, I want to make this movie because everyone knows that it's very hard to make money on a film. But mm. when they're going to invest and then they get like 50% um, of their tax back and we're talking about tax, <laughs> but you kind of got to at some level, um, then they, they kind of want to get involved and they want to come onto set and enjoy that experience with their, their family. So it's a great, great investment in a way. Um, so it all went from there. The horror thing is because you know, that genre just is the best. I mean, it's just the best, the most creative, the most free, the most interesting roles, the best stories, very multifaceted. So you'll get people saying often, oh yeah, I don't like horror, but they love the sixth sense and they love the shining and the love Rosemary's baby and mm. you know, they're all horror films. So this, this, this term horror, I think it came to mean some other things. Um, some very extreme kind of slasher movies and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's so many sub-genres, right? Like you have the slasher, yeah, the, order, yeah. the ghost stories, and 
the Jaws, yeah. Jaws, which we all love, is a horror. Um, oh, you just use a different banner, you know, supernatural thriller, or but but that umbrella is all encompassing. So from from Greek myths and legends to Beowulf to to the Hitchcock's of the Birds, you know, and people get very weird in the UK, particularly about this word, and it's not quite right at dinner parties to you know, movies like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre might enter the conversation, which is a bloody brilliant film. So yeah. I really own that word. I want to take it back. <laughs> what do you want to take back? Which word? The word horror. It's word become horror. A, uh, where, where sales, are, well, the commercial side of it is that often it'll be rebranded as, um, yeah, okay, let's talk about that. So, so yeah, you got, they'll, they'll call it supernatural thriller or uh, elevated horror which I don't like because it means it's above all other types of horror when there's actually nothing wrong with having a fun time watching killer clowns from out of space at the Prince Charles cinema. We love that too. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we love Midsommar and Hereditary. They're good films. Really good. But yeah. it's all good. Sometimes you just want to, Stephen King calls it like a hamburger, like junk food. Sometimes you just want to yeah. kill clowns from out of space. It's pretty, it's pretty, I, I think you're right though, I think a lot of times we just have this word where we've just had the word horror and we're not very specific about what we're talking about, you know, it's like, I don't like horror because I was scared once of this, you know, really scary uh, supernatural story, but you have no problem watching, you know, someone like Saw or something, you know, yeah. so I get that, but you know, horror is probably one of the most successful genres, right, to make money out of, I mean, it's everyone goes to a horror. Genre sometimes, I mean, yeah, it can it's uh increase you see the models buggered now it's really in trouble so with streaming it's great it's a really great time for making content a much harder time to sell content so yeah you know you've had the blair witch and you've had films like the purge uh and you've had films yeah blumhouse's models great he makes movies for two to five million that make up to 300 million spends 25 million on marketing those it's kind of a a weird business model but it he kind of gambles <laughs> and gets paid commission with his clients, which is why I believe in the commission sales model, because Jason Blum does that. He puts the risk in there with the with the movie to make sure it works. So audiences are being looked after. And I think there's something to be said for that, not to to, to be aware of your audience. I think it's a really key thing to take mm. them on a roller coaster ride. But what, what we were saying about it making money is, yeah, but us, you never come at it from that. I mean, uh, I don't really care about that. I would do it for free really um when we love horror there's just it's just the best thing ever you know you, that new horror film what did i see uh wasn't a horror film but i saw a movie yesterday called nobody that was fun like a kind of b-movie schlocky um history of violence type film but a, oh really a just out of cinemas and then last week you know a quiet place part two which is okay part one's better but whenever there's a new horror that comes out is very exciting for horror fans because you it it was great the remake of it and yeah and midsummer and hereditary were great and get yeah. out everyone loved get out because it was great so when these movies come out it's such an event but it's never there's so many horror films a lot of which are really crap <laughs> but part of the fun is to yeah, kind of go yeah, through them like a junkyard and find you know, out so, like, like you said with junk food so, sometimes you like to go and just see a shit movie yeah, and I don't think you know, and I don't want to disparage people that make those sort of movies. I'm not saying to say they're really untalented or anything, but yeah. I, I almost think you know, like it's purposely bad because that's our enjoyment, you know. Like, no yeah. one's gonna go and say Tornado Shark should win an Academy yeah. Award, you know, but it's no. 
it's a ridiculous movie that you would love to watch. Like, oh, let's just watch something ridiculous. So I'm 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 yeah. a fan for that. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a scaredy cat though. So I, you know what? I watched um <laughs> I think one thing that scared me for life, I watched Pet Cemetery. Or is it Pet Cemetery? That's a great film. The with the right? remake or the original. I think it was the original when I was a kid. That's a great, great film. It's a traumatizing film. The kid gets hit by the truck and then Yeah, oh, it was horrible. Horrible. Yeah. You know, none of that scared me. No, okay. The, the thing that absolutely petrified me, there's a flashback where, the, where his She's sister so is sick of pneumonia. Oh, that, Tanya, that gave me nightmares for weeks. I agree. After that, that I, I didn't want it. It was just too ooh, it was just it's too much terrible. for me. It's so disturbing. And that's yeah. where horror can be so great because you're watching a film like that and then one scene gets you like that and you go, fuck, that gave me a really, like, like, that really got me. Yeah. And we, you know, but you don't set out to make about, you know, or at least we, we don't, at the Haunted Cinema, we want to make really good films. And uh, we've, we've had some nice feedback on what we've done so far. So you, you don't, I don't think people set out to make B-movies. They can, things like Sharknado, I guess they do. But generally... If something becomes a kind of cult movie, it's because it 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 didn't quite work and it found an audience that saw its merits, other merits, in a different way later on. Yeah. Yeah. It's over to where, the audience. Where did you start off? What was your first movie? Uh, the, well, that was There Outside. So, well, actually, Blue Moon. So, um, first feature film was There Outside, which was a pagan horror film that went to Fright Fest, which was a dream come true because we love that festival so much it's christmas in august for anyone who goes to that festival and uh there's like a horror family there a bunch of horror people um so that was great fun but before that there was a short film called blue moon um blue moon was another werewolf film and it was a really fun premise uh which played it went to hollywood it went to chinese grandma's theater or whatever that's called i think i said that correctly uh, as part of Scream Fest, and it was just a really cool 10 minute. It's free, anyone can watch that. You can go and watch that on, um, go to YouTube, Scream Fest, Blue Moon, uh, short werewolf horror film, directed by Martin Pick. So I learned a lot kind of being at his side, mm. kind of mentoring a bit, because I wanted to learn what was going on on a set. Yeah. Um, that led to a film called Heckle, which we were very lucky to get Steve Gutenberg from Police Academy and films that I'd grown up with. So that, that yeah. was an amazing moment to just be on a set where words that I'd written were being read by him. That was really cool. Yeah. And that was again, Martin Pick. So again, I was kind of learning a lot. And Martin's a great guy, very vision led. He's got a great- Yeah, Martin, Martin Pick is a, is a director and he's quite, uh, he loves animation and, and he loves- uh, Amazingly visual pictures. guy. Yeah, yeah so um, please check out Martin Pick as well. He's a great, great director. He's a, he's a good guy. He's a great guy, and I learned a lot from watching him work and being on those sets. So it helps to be on a on a set because there's a lot of weird stuff going on, like script supervisors here. Well, why are they there? And then where, when do you say action? So camera speed, is it now? There's <laughs> all these things you've got to kind of work out, uh, which you can work out quite quickly when you see that happen. Because really, those things are a procedure; they're, they're in a place for a reason. But what you're getting in the can, what you're getting on that monitor is the gold. It's everything. And it's all about the acting, Kian, which is why I've worked with you, because you can act and you do want to work with people that can really, at the end of the day, you know, can look great and all this stuff. But if the audience sit there and the actor doesn't convince them, then they're just checking their phone and they're, yeah. you know, 
go to the loo. And they're just what, not going to be there. For any actors listening, what do you look for in an actor, you know, in an audition room? Mm-hmm. What, what, are you, what are you looking for in self-tapes? Yeah, you don't want it to be fake. So there was some, someone said good acting. Okay, who said this? Is when you can't see the stitching. I like that. I think it's a good quote because uh, when you see somebody doing the acting thing um, and the people I've worked with, uh, yourself, Rosina, uh, Emily Booth and all these great people, um, Catherine Rodden, etc. I don't want to upset anyone. All, all, all good. Um, <laughs> you, you can't see the stitching. I really believe that I'm in that moment. Right. With, with whatever's going on in the situation. And I think that that's, uh, it's bloody hard. I've done acting. I've done, done a lot of acting in my past. It's an amazing thing and that helps to have done it. And I think you just got to believe in the moment. So when you're going through an edit and you're looking at which edit to pick and you've got 10 options, there's surprises that often the actor will bring. None of it's often on the page. It's just great that in the moment, something of, an emotion or something unique comes out of it, which is why it's so collaborative. But it's where you really believe that you're a fly on the wall if it's a naturalistic film and you've just caught something that's that touches you emotionally. You know, it is an emotional thing, film. You're not really yeah. there to not engage with your emotions. So yeah. It's a strange thing. People are acting out, you know, scenes in real life and you actually get to sit down and go through life again and again and again. You see a whole lifetime in an hour and a half. <clears throat> and it's a bizarre thing, but that that's really it. You get to engage with real life emotions in a fantasy context in horror because you've got um, yeah. monsters and stuff, which are metaphor. You know, they're not actual, well, they are monsters in the film, but yeah, like in fairy tales, they do stand for something. And when when we talk about like casting, do, are you are you heavily involved in the casting, and how yes. do you like to audition people? Uh, it's everything. The casting. Some some people say it's ninety percent of the success of something. So if it's ninety percent, <laughs> it's that's only ten percent that's really turning up and directing and lights and camera and everything else. So if it's ninety yeah. percent, then yeah, absolutely. So what what you're looking for is it's hard because sometimes on things like. Uh, um, what are the spotlights? So you get a lot of, a lot, there's a lot of people and it's very difficult and it must be very hard to be an actor because you're a media or actress and I don't know if it's one word for both now. I don't know, I'm not keeping up with all the rules, but um, I saw Eddie Izzard earlier, is down as actress on IMDb. So yeah, okay. Going on. Um, but what it is, there is a thing where you pick a look. So if you've got 10,000 people, you've got to pick the kind of right look that you're looking for. And it's so, because the acting beyond the look, and it gets very complex that, oh man, I can see you sweating in that, in that yeah. fly. <laughs> it's like a sauna box. Good for um, me. Hopefully I lose me some weight. <laughs> <laughs> but what, um, wait, what were we talking about? About the, um, the, the, the actors. You want to see a lot of people, yeah, but you, you can also get fatigued if you, you know, in um, lockdown, you do casting over Zoom often. But really what you're looking for is when somebody acts the lines, you know, you don't see the stitching as we spoke about, it just feels like the lines, but also they're bringing value to the table, something that has lifted that material. Because it's collaborative, everything lifts it. So the DOP lifts it, the set design lifts it, the acting 90% 
should really be lifting it. And I think you've got to go through different emotions. So somebody can play a crying scene that they can't do just an everyday talking with their friend scene. It doesn't feel right. That's odd. You've got to get different vibes, different moments of the script. So would you, would you like, yeah, would you compile different, like a few different scenes and audition people? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You want to see the range and you want to see um, people work together. People do chemistry reads, as you know, you kind of want people in a live context vibing off each other. Mm. So it's a very tricky thing, but essentially it's all gut. So everything's gut. So the actor, it's not that hard at the end of the day because you kind of just know in your gut and you talk to people and often, often they agree or there's a few people in your gut that you agree are right. And the same with a lot of parts of the filmmaking, a take that you pick in the edit is because at a gut level, beyond your subconscious, it just works. Mm. There's something that when she blinked, and he left the room. It just was the emotion we're looking for. So there's that weird thing that can happen. Yeah. Gut feeling and a lot of kind of, uh, you set it up, you storyboard, you shot list to then have a freedom where things can happen. How how many like actors do you get to submit for one role? Well, that, that can vary and that's crazy. It can, when we are looking for certain roles for Heckle, we, we had, Pages, uh, not just pages, we had uh, like 50 pages on spotlight of people. And you have to go, oh shit, okay, well, what's the kind of look that we're looking for? Mm. Um, and then let's go from there into the acting because there is a look that you're looking for. So, so photos with acting can be quite a key thing. And you meet the actors and actresses where, where they don't actually look like their picture. And it's a bit odd. Sometimes you go, oh, I wish your picture would look more like, like you look. Um, so sometimes there's something being sold that's a bit different to how they come across. But anyway. So like, basically what you're saying is make sure your headshots are very accurate to what you look like. Because it can be very well, important. yeah, but I'm not an agent, so you know the the amazing, you know, wonderful Miles and people that we know, the agents. There might be a reason that they're they might know that people are really looking for a windswept look or something, and I don't know, windswept look, whatever it is. But there's a reason behind why people might be engaging in a certain type of headshot. Right. I don't yeah. know. Well, you know, but, like for, for me, I, I have a couple of, like I have one with me with a beard. And, but oftentimes, like Miles would submit me with, with no beard yeah. just for a certain okay. role. So I'll have to just, you know, quickly shave. <laughs> or, well, how you look now is, is, is real. And uh, the beard thing, uh, I think it's better, I don't know, maybe without, so you can grow a beard if people wanted you to. Oh, no, the, the other way, right? So you can shave yeah, it off. I can shave it off easily. Like I had an audition your day and I had a full beard on. I was like, no, this character <laughs> has to shave. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not like particular about it i don't care about my hair you know at yeah. all I'm, I'm very like you know whatever you need i'll do is is kind of or whatever it's I amazing do. thing I, that with actors that they can suddenly be a skinhead and they can suddenly yeah. take on different looks and things it's crazy you know for your um your your act uh, directing process is is quite mm-hmm. good i mean you you have a great relationship with actors right yeah i come from a background of theater and acting stuff. yeah and Beckett and Pinter, and I love all that process a lot. I think one of the strong suits I've noticed about you, and I've actually talked about it, I think, on the podcast with Jason and, and with Mark, mm. is that you have this very, and it's a rare ability to really listen and to put your own 
I want to like ego in a way is so yeah, and, and go, you know what, maybe this works. And it's hard. It's very hard to do that because I find it hard to do that. And I'm only the actor, you know, but if I, if mm-hmm. I see something the way it is, I'm, I'm very, you know, particular, like I want to go that direction. But you really take your time to listen to the actors, the cinematographer, and it really makes working on set with you quite collaborative. And you feel, I think it's great for, for me as an actor to say this to you. I think it's great because it gives you a lot of confidence to, to try things you might be unconfident, you might get in trouble for doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Because how you're like, yeah, let's try it. I feel like I like it. If I don't, I don't. And it's very, it's a really nice thing. So um, I'm no, glad. Thank, thank you very much for that. I think, <clears throat> I, and I want to do more of that. I think that's what it's all about, really. What, whatever's best for the film. If someone turns up with an ego and a shot list, it can all go out the window very fast if it doesn't work for the film. Yeah. They shouldn't be turning up with an ego at all. Um, but really, if someone's idea is better, if it makes the project better, that's that's the thing that's the only thing if it makes it better if something's going to make it worse then you, you might try it and you've got to have a freedom um i heard a story about a film called the boudinock saints is it the um william defoe tried something completely insane oh yeah and, it, and everyone said that was mad and it worked and i know that yeah i think you've got to try things and experiment it should be like a lab but you've obviously got a shot list and a, a, you know your first ad is telling you you've only got a certain amount of time so i think um it's always good to actually let uh, the actors do the version without any blocking or anything just that's in their heart so you say show me what you would do and there's often a lot of treasure there and then you might make some tweaks slightly adjust the steering wheel um that's all it is really i think and then you, you get there and then there might be a completely wild take. So I know people who do a take that's uh, low, medium and, and high. So they'll mm. do something at a lower energy, uh, kind of classical, and they'll just go mad. So in Love Actually, a weird example of this, in Love Actually, because that is an odd example, uh, Andrew Lincoln, when Kira Knightley turns up in that scene when she realizes he's been stalking her and filming her wedding and stuff, he's on the South Bank and He's kind of throwing his head around. He's all embarrassed that she caught him and found all these secret videos he'd made of her. His head's in his hand. He's jumping around in the, in the West End of London. And the take that they used was one where Richard Curtis said, just be an idiot. Just go absolutely batshit crazy. Look like an absolute fool. Go way over the top. Because sometimes, and they used that take, and he thought they'll never use that take. But I think what happens is on the screen, Sometimes you can go bigger. I know Michael Caine did that big thing about the, you know, it's so small, it's a laser. You know, the slightest look from the eye uh, will read on the cinema. In the theatre, it's completely different, right? You've got to be bigger. But sometimes on the cinema, it might just not read what you're doing, and certain emotions yeah. might need to be bigger. So there's a lot of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm I'm hesitant when with that that kind of these sort of quotes because I think they're. Hmm oftentimes misinterpreted saying you yeah. can't be big and it's not about being big or small it's about being truthful mm-hmm. and you know a lot of times in life like if i'm talking to you and we're at the bar i'll probably move my hands and going crazy and people say you can't do that in, th- in film because it's too big and i say not necessarily mm-hmm. you know if, if it's to show the truth if it's truthful to you and it's truthful to your character and it, it, it's truthful to the narrative of of how your character will do things i think it's absolutely fine to be big. You know, I yeah. just think the beautiful moments are oftentimes the small moments are beautiful because we want to see the actor, the the character be like us. And we're quite like, you know, 
when we're hurt, yeah. we don't we're passive aggressive about. We don't like to show our emotions, and that's all. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think another example as a horror lover, weirdly quoting Love Actually again. Everyone loves that scene where I think it's a great Christmas film, but it's where Emma Thompson is um, in the room, just stood there, knowing her husband's having the affair, doing nothing, stood there while a song yeah. played, tweaking her duvet a tiny bit, and you suddenly go very still and it, it can read, but it's all about the emotion behind it. So where you're talking about someone being very big in a bar, yeah. yeah, if they're out to cause trouble or they're just expressive, then that's the character or that's the emotion. Yeah. So you don't have to necessarily be so small. I think, again, it's a gut feeling. You just, on, you would you would know on the monitor, you would just yeah. say, well, that's just what, yeah. She, she, you she would know. phenomenal in that film. It's I mean, she's phenomenal in every film, Emma. But yeah, Corella, she yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I think there's something about her stillness that is just so, so uh, attractive to me. I'm, I'm so drawn in by Emma Thompson. Yeah. Emma Thompson. I think she's yeah. a phenomenal, phenomenal actress. And mm-hmm. she's one of the greatest of all time. Honestly, I think she's really beautiful. Everything she does, even like I was watching In the Name of the Father a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And she's just brilliant in that. She's just, everything she does is, is amazing. Go and see Cruella, where she's playing this fashion. It's Cruella, I'm a bit, I, I, I was saying to her, I'm a bit hesitant to go and see it. I, I'm hating all these. They're turning all the bad guys into, like, you know, <laughs> good guys in a way. Like, oh, they're just misunderstood. I'm like, no. Evil is evil and bad is bad. I can okay, go and see nobody then, <laughs> which is a full-on bad guys kind of movie. Loads of bad guys, loads of violence. Loads of I action. love that. I'm, I'm going to go see right. nobody. Yeah. But Corella's yeah, good. You, you think Corella? I should go see Corella? Uh, maybe not, actually. I don't think you'd like it that much. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I say nobody you'll have a better time with. Um, and and if you've not seen too many horror films, watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've seen so the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You've seen it. Yeah. Or let's, let's try and give you another horror. That I want done. to watch. It's hard because my, my partner is hates horror movies. Like she <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm a bit of the same, but I, do, I used to love as a kid, like, you know, Freddy Krueger. The old yeah, great. Great. I just think it's amazing. Or even really? you know, I love Freddy versus Jason. I loved that. Um, it was just such a crazy movie. Um, watch The Shining again. I could watch The Shining on loop. I mean, that's you know, for people who say they hate horror, often they like The Shining, and that's just a um, a haunting experience with amazing acting. A lot of people say Jack Nicholson's performance was over the top, but it's again, we're talking about too big. So what? It worked for the film. It did that's actually work. Exactly. 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 I mean, he didn't do that. Yeah, that's what exactly my it point is. So what? He was truthful. And that's all that matters to us. As long I, as we believe I, him, it doesn't matter what they do. And everyone else is playing down, like like in the bathroom, that the, the, the guy say, you know, talking, uh, oh, I've forgotten the, the caretaker. I, it's so confusing how that film's directed because you never know who's a ghost of who. But the barman, let's look at the barman, how still he is. And Jack doing his crazy give me a whiskey thing. It's just bloody brilliant. But that's an example where Michael Caine's masterclass on going small just wouldn't work, and yet it works brilliantly for the movie. So it's case by case. It's very case by And I can even be scene by scene, you know? Like, I think Michael is, is dead right. He's 100% right. But I just think that people's interpretation of, of, of what acting teachers say can be mm. so varied. I'm like, yeah, but... Like, what does he mean? What is he trying to say? Like, like I mean, it's, it's very different. He's trying to say, be truthful. Yeah. You know, and like, we, we always debate like different, you know, technique teachers and, and you know, like, oh, I'm still Adler, I'm Meisner, I'm Strasbourg, I'm, I'm yeah. this and that. And it's like, 
every single one of those teachers want this for their students is to be truthful under the yeah. imaginary circumstances. And that's what Stella's quote is. Acting is being truthful under imaginary circumstances. And that's all we want is the truth. That's all we want as, as the audience is to see some sort of truth. And yeah. I think there's some really nice moments. I mean, like Frostbite we did together is an amazing, mm. funny, hilarious um, comedy horror just about a Santa being bitten by a werewolf. Are we allowed? Are we allowed? I was. Yeah, I was still the premise inside out. I mean, yeah, it's about Santa turning into a werewolf on Christmas Eve after he gets bit by a werewolf. I think the whole fun of that just said it. Just and it is a ludicrous film. It is so ludicrous. My character yeah. is absolutely nuts, but there's some really beautiful moments that he, yeah. that he have, some really genuine moments. And I think the ludicrous, the ludicrousy? The ludicrousy? It's a Christmas movie as well as a, uh, we tried to make it a Christmas movie as well. There's this, this Christmassy feelings in it, you know? Yeah. And there's also really gory things. Yeah, you know, it's all the fun of the fair. It's just a high concept. We love high concept. Haunted cinema, part of the brand is high concept uh we let's give an example of that so santa turns into a werewolf or um we are doing a film uh we did the film advent about cursed advent calendars so when you've got a high concept it's fun to spin off that concept into the narrative because that hook allows a lot of freedom and imagination so these movies are kind of high concept you have um, a very fast turnover movies I mean, you're always doing uh, such a right? we, Yeah, we're now, but it takes a while to, to edit them. <laughs> so yeah. to shoot something, if you get the right people together, that, that can be fairly quick. To then do the post-production is can be a bit, a bit longer. So we were quite fast in post-production with a film called They're Outside because um, we just were. It just was a moment when there was a lot of free time that went into making it great. This is the new film. They're outside. It's an older one. Oh no, the, no. They're outside. Is yeah, I know they're outside. Uh, pagan, know. pagan horror film that we did, but it was it was fast, but but it was you know um, it, it was fast, very focused and fast. And now there's more projects. So when we were doing that, it was only really that project. But now we've got um, uh, we've got two new films in editing, with Advent and, and Frostbite and other things going on. But yeah, it's uh, the speed of something is key. I think you just get it done, you get it closed. I don't like developing things for too long. No. How many how many films have you shot this year? Well, this in lockdown we did about three, which was great. Um, and now we're putting those together. And if I can do another three, I'd like to do three a year, but they've got to be, we don't want to just turn them out. They've got to be right. So when you write a screenplay, it's got to be good. And mm. with some of those projects that we're talking about, there had been rough drafts and parts of that in place that led it to be that fast. To just write overnight and film, you. There is a bit of a process, even though planes, trains, and automobiles, one of the best things ever written was written in a weekend, apparently, but it varies. Uh, but yeah, you want that quality there. Mm. Uh, but you do want to be working and moving fast. So, you know, when something is never going to be perfect, when something's pretty much there, because you will collaborate, as we've, we've been talking about, with the actors and everybody to raise the bar and get that to an even better place, you kind of want to just get it done. Get it made no matter what. The art of war, just go and <laughs> be in the middle of the battle, take take the the knives to the gut and enjoy the pain. You often work with the same crew and the same actors also, right? Yeah. You like yeah. to have a lot um, of uh, because family. the repertory company idea is a good idea. So repertory, when when you work with someone like Jason Calvin or yourself and uh Vince Knight, 
shout out to great DOP, really great DOP, lifts um, content, but his attitude is just phenomenal. So attitude's everything on a, on a film. You want yeah. everyone to be on just really loving it. And yeah. And then it doesn't feel like a knife to the gut because all, all low budget filmmaking is pretty hard. But if you love it um, and there's a bit of pain involved, it's, ooh, it's okay. It's just part of the process of life, right? So mm. if, you, if you're working in a bank and there's pain involved, that's probably a nightmare. Unless you love working in a bank and then it'd just be a dream. So yeah, the people like Vince Knight and how he lights stuff and how the actors like yourself bring magic to to the text and everything else means that you build a repertory company that you want to grow with and and all continue to make projects with mm. and try and attract more money to it. So we've got this great team. You just want to make more of it. That's all it is. You want to make money. Yeah, so you can yeah. make more films. I like we said in, in the sense of the casting is, is 90%. I mean, a lot yeah. of directors and actors use the same cast, like their friends and stuff, Adam Sandler and all these. And, yeah. you know, Christopher Nolan with, with uh, Christian Bale because they trust them. They yeah. know the work that they want to do and they know how they operate and how they work in the process. So it's not going to hold production back, really, is it? Like, you know, if you cast someone yeah. new, you know, Obviously, you, you you always cast someone new because you always have new movies. You don't want to have the same period. It's literally the same cast. But if you have someone in the cast, they're like, okay, I know this is his process. I know that he's going to be good for the scene. He's not going to hold, you know, back or he's not going to, you know, cause any problems. It's always it's always a, a plus, right? Well, it's an attitude thing. So you, you know, when we, when we double and I, because we we produce a lot of things together, she's phenomenal at, at, at what she does. When we find people that don't gel, that don't work very well they just go on a blacklist where we don't really want to work with them again because uh, they're only going to wreck it for everybody. So, you, and when you find the great people, you just want to put them into that that team, that, that great, it's like a football team, right? England are playing right now. And if there's some bad players, they, they won't be there for future games. You just want to yeah. have that that great team to kind of get chemistry is, is chemistry Is chemistry, you know, that's essential, right, for, for actors. Chemistry is important, but uh, chemistry with people is important, yes. But you also, when you get rid of that ego, the attitude is very important too. The chemistry you kind of find through the reads and things. But when when the ego and stuff gets set aside, you can push the actor very, very hard. Mm. And that's what they want. That's what you want, Kian. You want to be challenged yeah, and see how far you can go. Your potential as an actor before you die. That's it. And and if we push it like that and we're pushing our filmmaking and we're all really seeing what we can achieve, then you're going to get some great stuff. You've got to be fucking mad. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> You've got to have a team of positive, no ego, mad people. Hard balance, those three ticks. And then when you get that, you're good. Positive, no ego, completely mad. And then you're going to fly, hopefully. And then, you know, England might win today. <laughs> yeah. The stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're actually, they're, I don't know what we're talking about. They're the favourites to win today, I think, which I thought was crazy because Croatia... Well, they, yeah, I don't know who they're playing, actually. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a tourist football fan, so I'm one of those tourist football fans. So I, yeah, it's all right, it's all, I'm not massive. No, I'm, I'm the same. You know, when I was a kid, a lot of people were like, you know, it was really big to support football, you know? Yeah. Like, who do you support? And I'd be like, oh, I support Liverpool. Yeah, well, how many transfers did they get this? I don't know. You're not a real fan. Like, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm happy with not being a real Bro, fan. My relax. fans support Arsenal. They're massive fans. Yeah, and... I, I just, I, I hated all that pressure on it. 
Say, no, yeah. I'm not a proper fan. Fuck you. I don't. <laughs> you know, if they win, I'm happy. If they don't, I'm, I I couldn't really care less, to be honest with you. But I hated the the. Oh, you have to watch this. You have to do this, and we're gonna win the league this year, mate. You're from Ireland. You know, Man United. If they win, there's not got to do with you. You're not from Manchester. Relax. So I, love, yeah, I love the passion of it. I, I mean, I'm very passionate about the scary movies and stuff. So someone's passionate about. You know what? I love being in the stadium. I went to uh, the Emirates yeah. Stadium to watch an Arsenal match. I'm I'm a Liverpool fan, but mm-hmm. man, I was doing all the chants. The, the whole atmosphere of the Arsenal. Yeah, I was, crazy. I was like, yeah, I'm. I, I, I'm an Arsenal fan for tonight. <laughs> they were playing Manchester. They got beaten up. But just the crowd atmosphere <laughs> is phenomenal. It's mad. Yeah. So I kind of like that. It's like, um, you know, the end of a, a play when you get those standing ovations, that adrenaline, that, that atmosphere. Well, it's the theatre events. It ties into film and theatre, football. It's like it's the most, it's an audience participation. Yeah, event. it's physical. very. It's like you're jumping up. and So it's all theatre. Uh, football's great theatre. And uh, I totally get it. And when, when England are playing and everyone's out in London, it is the best feeling ever. So, oh, yeah. stop. How, how people are elevated, like, you know, and you, you don't need to like football to join the festives, you know, no. like people are just like, you know, it's coming home and everyone's out, everyone's happy. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Like, like my friend actually uh, from America just sent me um, a video last night of a lot of Irish fans. They were, I don't know where they were. I think it's probably the Euros. <laughs> the Irish have the best football sports because we know we're bad. We know we're, we're a terrible team, but we, we don't really care if we win. We just have to be involved <laughs> kind of thing. But anyway, there's about a thousand football fans waiting out of Victoria's Secret shop. And at the, when, when anyone leaves after the bar or something, they'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then this kind of elderly lady come, got in it and she walks out and she takes out what she did, like a, like a prize up and waved it around. Yeah, I went wild. You know? awesome. But it's just a great atmosphere. It's, it's, it's like, I remember I went to see a Conor McGregor fight in, in, Las, yeah. uh, in Las Vegas and just the, the sheer just oh, sportsmanship. And, and, and we're not really known to be... Um, rude or reckless you know like the Irish don't really cause a lot of trouble but we just we're, we're there for we just love to have fun you know so it is nice being a part of that I think and uh, that's I think it's nice when when you have that in theatre when you when you create such magic and um, mm. you do it right and and the crowd are moved and they are applauding because we've all experienced something you know and and the actors gain out of that I mean when you when you get back the truth of the theme and you convey it to the audience I mean we all are learning so it's a beautiful beautiful process and that's as far as probably we're going to be talking about sports wow that was a, <laughs> they should print that on the stadium that's an amazing speech about football in ireland football in ireland yeah we just <laughs> we, we just like to be involved um who 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 inspires you anthony when you, when you look at when you're looking oh at so many people inspire me uh, I'll, ask you, I'll yeah. ask you like a few of these questions and I know they have they're very vague because like like I'll ask you what your favorite movie is but I know it's it's very impossible for for someone to say that because I mean, so many that. movies yeah. cool, so many movies <laughs> yeah. what uh, my favorite movie is don't look now 1973 don't, oh, so, that Sun. is your crisp favorite 100% but the shining almost overtook it but i think it's don't look now so set in venice 1973 julie christie amazing actress donald sutherland amazing actor amazing story ghost story don't look now um watch it and 
you may hate it, but you might like it. And as to inspiration, so everyone's inspiring, aren't they? So I'm inspired by a lot of the people I hang out with. That's why I hang out with them, because they're so inspiring. And you don't really oh, want to we're hang hanging out later. That's me and Simon. Yeah, inspiring. we're going to hang out. You inspire me. Double yes. A inspires me. Vince Knight inspires me. Jason Galvin inspires me. Emily Booth inspires me. This repertory company, they inspire me. And then Steven Spielberg, all those guys obviously inspire me. And then you've just got... Uh, Gary Vanderchuk, what's his name? He's inspiring. There's all these people. Um, Tony Robbins is inspiring. So I think everyone has got things of inspiration. If they don't, I don't really hang out with them or give them much time. Mm. Because if they're not particularly inspired themselves, I just don't really relate to it too much. I just, I hope they find their inspiration. Right. And when they do, maybe we can have a good time, but... Um, so do you think that's the path to success or your success is, is being around people who is inspired in a, and inspires you? In a way, because when you're part of that mixture, you're just all pushing to make some great stuff. And I think it's about creation and not destruction and uh, positivity. Zero. I'm not a massive fan of negativity too much because I don't get it. Um, I get that you, know, you can be upset about things, of course. And, but you want to focus more on the positive surely uh, yeah. again looking at some of my inspiring people uh, i can never say this guy's name gary vanderchuk is it one of these uh, motivational speakers um spoke about the odds of even being born it is billions to one or something i've probably got that completely wrong but the fact that we're even here mm. and the sun is shining even that is enough <laughs> to be like like get up why what, what do you want to like yeah if you're not doing stuff you're very passionate about you won't be particularly happy and then you worry all oh, no, over the money and i know mean, you've got to figure a lot of things out but that's fun to figure out the game is fun mm. you're not here for very long yeah so long yeah long. uh inspiration seek it out and in but even better inspire so seek it out but even better live such a in such a way that you're inspiring everyone's just feeling good i think that's mm. even better i really so, yeah. like that, that 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 answer was quite inspirational thanks man um did you did you ever <laughs> want to quit was no time in your life no um i can't even it's not part of the vocabulary no i love horror so much it sounds so cheap it's not part of the vocabulary Ben Gary and Ross, they're going to quit. But <laughs> it, it's just not like, I love it so much. I just don't care. It sends me mad and I end up in an asylum. I just love doing it so much. I do it for free. And obviously we're trying to figure out a way to make a lot of money from it so that we can make more of it, not for the money, just so we can share more fun times. Um, to quit? <laughs> I don't really understand it. Um, to go and, what do you mean? To do something different. Yeah, well, like, was there ever a time in your life where you're like, I just can't do it. Nothing's going my way. Fuck no. this. No. Those, those are the best. I mean, there's times where it's really hard. And they're the best times. Because when you, like, it teaches you about yourself or something. Or when it's really hard, it's just a reframing thing. It's the best. Because that's where you're going to get the gold. And then, you know... If you get through that, what's that book? I'm going to give you loads of like self-motivation. Obstacle is the way, Ryan Holiday. So any obstacle is the gold. You want it to be difficult because when you get through that, you just grew. You just learned and now you're going to make better things. So 
yeah. this whole thing about quitting, I'm going to be a total like lame self-motivation coach thing. It shouldn't be part it's of great. I'm taking notes. It shouldn't. I don't even think about those words. I don't. I can't okay, even. Well, it's weird. At, at what point of your career do you think you've made it? Now, because just having fun with your friends and making the stuff. So you can call it when you make, if you want to be, you know, you're no, making... no, just for you. This is a personal one. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. For you, it's fun it's now. Fun today. You could die today happy. I can die today happy because it's been so much fun making these films with people and, and getting that together. Yeah. And you want to do that forever. And you, you, you might end up in in a studio system, but there's a lot of compromise there. You're not suddenly doing what you want. You're answering a lot of people going through a lot of red tape you might get a, a million tomorrow for a project you're still you it's just a million in the account so you can you can only what you're going to buy a load of boats or something i don't know what you can do with all that you're still going to make horror so you'd be on your boat watching a low budget horror movie at the back of your yacht just watching <laughs> killer clowns from outer space it doesn't change it's just you're watching it on a, in a bigger screen <laughs> it might be fun to buy the boat but you'd make films on it it'd be an investment to make movies 10 movies on a boat that's why you'd buy it so it's thinking strategically i guess but uh, i can't remember what the question was i think you've answered it no my right. question was um when do you think you've made it but you say now and that's i think you've made it when you when you're genuinely when you wake up here's here's what it is and you're not feeling heavy and full of dread and you're happy about uh you're energized to jump out of bed and work on some stuff um and it's only going to get harder. It's not going to get easier. So, so if you do get a successful film project, life will get harder. But I guess what it is, is being happy with that core driving passion. We're going back to that inspiration. What inspires you to get up in the morning? If you weren't doing that, I don't know how people really do it. And it isn't that easy. But even if, you, if people are doing a job they don't like, and in the evening they were working on a film, if that's your thing, then there's going to overtake it at some point, or you should be trying to make that overtake it, I guess. Mm, yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's terrible if people are, with their one life, not very happy. And I just think um, that there's a personal responsibility. It's not the responsibility of others, but to, to find that. And um, God, this is right bloody conference isn't it yeah yes yeah, nice. everywhere here uh but yeah i think i think definition of success is is just a lightness about the day a lightness like you're a child you know like you're having a lot of fun i agree i actually think i i think that's the definition for me for happiness is yeah. is is to wake up excited about what you're going to do yeah. you know and it, it's hard because sometimes for people even for myself it's not the case maybe you have you know, a nine to five job that you yeah. wake up and you're like, oh. but it's always about trying to shift your focus onto, yeah, I have a nine to five job, which are fucking sucks. Yeah. I have to do that right now, but I'm shifting it towards the energy that I'm putting into something else. Well, that's it. That's the trick. Get excited about the pain. <laughs> I hate <laughs> I hate the way this is all sounding, but if you're excited about dealing with that pain, oh, good, the nine to five really is shitty. Oh, it should feel so shitty that you're going to get in there and get involved and change that up. Because right. even yeah. if you get the, say, say you're suddenly doing a dream job and you're suddenly working at a studio and everyone's trying to make a different film to the film you're trying to make if we're using the movie thing. Oh, it's, ne it's never going to be exactly there. But you just, that thing that you love, just that you enjoy watching those movies and making them, that's, that can't ever change. That's like in its little snow yeah. globe in the corner of your soul. But you're saying basically it's it's never about you know it's never about like 
finding complete happiness, but it's it's ours. It's it happen. Well, it can. I mean, the happiness should be it should be the. Uh, but it's about it's about focusing on the challenge of what you know. Like, even if you get your dream role, or your here's dream a, job, here's the way to look at it. It's always a challenge. Here's the way to look at it. I think the hero's journey, it's Joseph Campbell and stuff like that. So we're all on our lives. It's like a movie, right? You're going to go to auditions and not get it and be upset, and you you might go through breakups and marriage and all sorts of things but it's that journey all of it counts and it's all part of life and you you know all the ups and downs so you want all of it we wouldn't have experienced it all so so it's kind of like but but fundamentally to wake up with more of the happy than the sad because i think that's the key really to, to mm. make sure that things are stacked in that way yeah generally there's a lot of the stuff you want out of your life in your life and if there's not making a few changes i guess yeah we're gonna um <laughs> for everyone listening out there we're gonna actually turn anthony one day a week into um you know a life coach i think he'd be really good at that what do you think or a life this, coach. do you think that that anthony could be a good life coach i think what he's saying is is really actually profound yeah, and, <laughs> and we need more of that so everyone <laughs> let me know if you need a session no don't. actually just watch a film watch groundhog day that movie is so profound I'll that have, movie I'll have to look at it talking about is in groundhog day he 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 wakes up and it's the same day every day until it's suddenly the next day but why what happens in that film there we go that's one to watch there we go. That's your homework, listeners. Watch Groundhog Day and then message, message our Instagram on Anthony's photo and tell us what you've learned from Groundhog Day. So what was the question? It's, it's one day it all changed and why? Yeah, in, you've seen Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. Bill Murray. And he Bill wakes Murray. up and it's a great high concept because we love high concept. And it's the same day every day. And <clears throat> it, he's just stuck in this little town. It's the same day every day. And I, uh, I don't want to give it away, but there's, some, there's, there's a reason that at the end of that film, it's a new day and he's a lot happier. And why is that? That's a great film. It's also well, a silly, ridiculous comedy, but it's, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, both, both. I think films are successful when they can capture both. Yeah. You know what I seen the other day? I think I said this to Cal. I'm always afraid of repeating myself in these podcasts i'm like oh my viewers are gonna be boring i only have like six stories but i was watching um castaway oh, that's I, good. I only seen it the other day for the first time it's great and it's a great movie but at the end of it i was just so unsatisfied i was like what all this shit i can't all remember shit. Yeah. Well, how's it I, mean, I think like it's a way of just in my perspective but my perspective was like he had all the bad shit happen to him he was stranded on an island he got off mm. it and then he didn't really get anything that his old life had. And I suppose that's the that's the point of the film. But I'm like, no. Thought he's gonna I think he should have married the American football. What what's that ball that he talks to? What what is that ball? Wilson. 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 Well, what is it? Is it a, is it a football? I think it's a football, yeah. He should have married Wilson at the end of that film. That would have been a better ending. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, you probably had a great <laughs> relationship with him for a few years anyway, so. Yeah, and Wilson was there. Um, if you could have dinner with anyone alive or dead, who would it be? 
Oh, God, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, let's go with... Oh, God, I, that's a really hard one. Um, maybe Wes Craven, who directed Nightmare on Elm Street. We spoke about that. He, he was an interesting guy who died quite uh, recently, a couple of years ago or something, uh, to pick his mind about things. But I don't really know. That's a really tricky one. Alive or dead? Jim Morrison, have a laugh with him. I mean, that'd be quite a boozy dinner, probably, wouldn't it? Oh, stop. Um, um, be quite funny to just hang out with Queen Victoria, see, <laughs> see what she's like at the table. I think that'd be hard, hard though, because you'd have to have all this proper etiquette. Yeah. You know? You'd lose a finger if you, you know, used the wrong fork. Yeah. So, I don't know. That, that's, that's a bit of a tricky one. Maybe not, huh? Um, don't know. That's that's very difficult. But some of those people, all those people. Today. So we're gonna go with the director of. Um, oh, Wes Craven. Yeah, Wes, Wes Craven. Craven. Yeah, we'll do Wes Craven. That's your answer. Mm. Mm, if yeah. if you weren't if you weren't a writer, director, producer, what would you be? If you weren't an artist. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean that that's a tricky. If you weren't okay. So I've heard you ask people, you know, what their definition of an artist is, and to be honest, that was my next question. Okay, okay. answer that one first. Get to that. Let's, then. We'll get. No, no, no. Let, we'll answer, let, let's answer the definition first. Let's get really deep. What yeah. is your definition of an artist? It's not a choice. Okay. So what that means is, ever since I was a kid, you're writing things down on napkins. You can't do anything but this. It's not a choice. It's like a disease. So if you're writing scripts and stuff, you've got homework for the rest of your life till you die. When people are out socializing, you kind of got to work on this idea. It's kind of annoying, but it's also kind of really fun. So it's like this disease that you're, you're born with. <laughs> you're going to be an artist, so you kind of, you got to work it out economically, you're now in a lot of trouble. You can't be a lawyer, you're going to be screwed up because you're going to want to leave that legal job and do this. So you've got a lot of problems, but also a lot of freedoms. Um, so I've heard you ask people that, and I've heard different answers, but I think it's not a when it's not a choice. I don't think Jason Kelvin would do anything other really than be thinking about this way of expression and Vince Knight and, some, and yourself. I don't think you'd really, I think yeah. you're a bit of a nutter. And if you weren't doing acting, I'd be very worried. <laughs> I think I'll be visiting you at the state penitentiary. I, I, I was just going to say that if I wasn't an actor, I'd probably be a mental institution. No, I think, I, but I think there is this thing where art isn't necessarily a choice, and it's something where you're going to do it no matter what. I would say that's the pure definition of it. I don't. So what do you think then? Like I, I, I kind of try and follow up. What do you think the responsibility of an artist is in this hmm. world? To entertain. So you can give messages and things, uh, get out, great social messages, but it's entertaining. I think if you're not entertaining, then that's a real problem because uh, a lot of people, you know, you've got different genres and different types of film. Um, but if it's not, actually, what did I say? I take that back. I'm wrong. I take that back. I'm going to give you a different answer. It should emotionally, and your, your emotions are entertaining, so it's kind of linked emotionally connect to you uh ideally to an audience that's that's actually the responsibility because if you're not emotionally connecting a project or characters via yeah. entertainment to an audience then you walk out and you're kind of like oh, 
So theatre is very good at being intellectual and it's, it's uh, speeches and it's all about the intellect quite, quite a big degree. Whereas the image on the cinema screen and we want to fight for our cinemas gets you right in the gut. Uh, if you, Lawrence of Arabia, the sunset, <clears throat> that, that image is straight to the gut, not to the brain. So cinema is very much about emotions. And I think your responsibility as an artist is to, if you're working in the cinema, primarily uh, exchange something in the way of an emotional journey over that hour and a half, because they're normally around an hour and a half. Yeah, it's very interesting that, you know, you mm. have two, like, you had two different ways of explaining what your definition of, and then it's always interesting to hear different artists say different things, but I think I think a lot of them are the, are the same. There's just what you said is a very good word, an operative word is connect. We're mm -hmm. to connect people to yeah. truth, to reflection. You know, I think like, I partly think the responsibility of an artist is to show, to mirror and to reflect, to show the world the reflection of itself, mm -hmm. the truth of itself and the reality rather than what is, is, um, and I, you know what I think the antipathy of, art is is media because right now the media don't really in my opinion anyway or what it seems to be don't really tell the truth or the reflection of what is going on in a certain place they tell what they want uh, people to know and it's very it's very like if you look at like in america there's fox news and then there's like cnn and they're both news they're both reporting the same thing but it's differently, it's not factual anymore. It's different in opinions and different in viewpoints. And, and that's, I think, art is supposed to be a bit, is a bit more in your face. It's a, I think it should be anyway, a bit more in your face is to show a reflection of ourselves. And if we we're doing a play about, you know, Fox and C CNN, I think the play would be very um, like Oliana from David Mamet. People will be going out arguing. But that's not what it means. Right? That's not what it is. That's why, because we'll always have difference in morality and difference in opinion. And we need to, what you say is find a word to, we need to connect our humanity. And, and it's a very hard thing to do. We need to, we, can, we need to have an all universal connection. And what is that? Yeah, yeah. you've got to tell the truth. I mean, I've heard it said that, you know, cinema theatre is the things you can't say around the dinner table, which I like, I like that. Yeah. And the thing is actually that the mass media share quite a lot with the horror genre because their business model is fear. They want to create fear in people. Right. Otherwise it wouldn't work. That's why we don't get the good news. So, so they want to scare the fuck out of you. You don't want to leave your house. You're really terrified. It's, it's terrifying. It's got to be so scary. You even hear that music with um, NBC Nightly News. It's fucking hell. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Rambo or something. So their business model is to to scare you. Um, yeah. But the difference is the fact I you know I don't respect that that so much is because it's not as truthful. It is hugely mixed into a lot of agendas and politics yeah. and all sorts of things. Whereas the pure experience of just a um, somebody trying to tell a story on the screen or in the theatre or in a painting or whatever it is, that that is just a, a more direct line, hopefully unfiltered. And it's about that unfiltered. It's about that things yeah. you can't say around the dinner table. I think that's so what attracts people is the fact that it's something that that's not to be said. I don't want to get too political, but that's sometimes what attracts 
people to other people. Like, I mean, Donald Trump was saying things that wasn't, you know, being said. And that's what attracted a lot of people to him for better or for worse, you know? And I think you're right. I think, you know, the, 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 the things that, you know, as human beings, we want people to say what we're all thinking, you know? Mm-hmm. You want to see a film and go, I completely agree. I didn't want to say it, but I'm not <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the use of, <clears throat> again, just supporting the horror genre. Horror is very good at dealing with social issues. So it doesn't have to, and it shouldn't necessarily. But when you've got films, I'm not just going to talk about Get Out because it's too obvious an example, but Night of the film, Dead or Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, about consumerism in the 70s and the culture of people just endlessly shopping in shopping malls and zombified literally zombies going nowhere um you know vampires is often a reason why the monster exists in the 80s were often about aids and things like that so there's a lot going on under the surface with particularly the horror genre and um i think it's very powerful in that way and certainly it's about the things you don't discuss around the dinner table um which is why the dinner table scene at the end of texas chainsaw massacre is so powerful. Oh my God, what is this? Um, yeah. How's it going in the booth? <laughs> the booth. I'm just gradually, you know, losing about three kilos. <laughs> <laughs> Sauna. So now we have to finish the, the question. If you weren't an artist, what would you be doing? Yeah, um, again, okay. So if I wasn't an artist, what would I be doing? Uh, looking for a way to become one, but if I wasn't allowed to, um, I would. I I looked at journalism for a while, but I'd hate that. I wouldn't want to do that. I suppose I'd be that then. Uh, so I'd be a critic of art, film critic. So I'm not allowed to be an artist, but I can be around art, right? So I. I mean, I love people like Mark Commode. Obviously, just gets in there, really unpacks the film, very intelligent in what he does. So. I'd be around it. I'd uh, be a film critic. I'd try and learn everything about that and try and become one of those, I guess, to at least be part of the thing. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to keep you too much longer because we have been talking and I'm about to die of uh, <laughs> heat stroke. You're doing but, that. But what, what, what else are we doing right now, Anthony, that you want to plug? Mm-hmm. Is there any, like, I mean, we have Frostbite. Um, uh, which was which is probably going to be called Werewolf Santa, hmm, maybe yeah, distributor thing yeah yeah. And and then we've we got so we got Advent. Frost, uh, which is now Werewolf Santa, which is a movie where Santa turns into a werewolf on Christmas Eve. That should be out um, end of this year. It's just uh, takes a while to edit because we had a snow machine. We have to kind of add sound on. It's weird. You have to yeah. do a lot of technical things. Um, then you've got. Um, uh, Advent, which is about a cursed Advent calendar, and that's been filmed, and that's in, in editing. And then we're going to be doing a new film called Spider Inside Her. Oh, this is, yeah. This which is, is a body horror, and it does what it says on the tin. You heard the title, so you pretty much can see the film in your head. It, it will be that film. And that movie, we're, we're currently out to some investors, and if we can make that kind of September time, we will. Uh, so that'll be the next one. So yeah, there's loads of new, we're forever just gonna try and come up with crazy new horror concepts. There's also something called Midnight Peep Show, which is a horror trilogy. 
So, Ken, I don't know if you know too many of these. It's where you got three horror stories in one. So Creep mm -hmm. Show, or you have a wraparound tale and in three different horror stories, basically. So it's fun. We've got different directors, and that's uh <laughs> that's a crazy movie about kind of sexual fantasies that go wrong in a, in a really shocking way oh, so wow. some of the repertory team will hopefully be back on board for that we want to work with uh we're just going to go through the scripts and look at casting and uh people like vince jason uh, potentially yourself we just got to look at all the roles and go out to people great um when will these movies one? be out uh frostbite and, and advent uh, they're going to be out I'd say at the beginning of next year, just because it has been a very busy period and we want to get them completely right. And even so though- we won't have them before Christmas. Um, Where are we? Let's see, June, July, August, September, October. Maybe, maybe, maybe. On a Christmas be, day, yeah. boom. It'd be good to, to deliver. But then, you know, it takes a while. The distributor, if one gets involved, they, there's like a six month build up, but we want to go to festivals. Right. Uh, so yeah, just it's quite a long process in film. But do you think, like, I mean, like looking at it, would you want to release it on Christmas if it's a Christmas movie, right? Or yeah, no? but it could also come out at Halloween. Um, it could also come out at an alternative time. So Christmas film could even come out kind of January, February, just after Christmas. Ideally, it'd be great, but I think it would find its place in a Christmas schedule at some point. Mm. If it, if it, if it, I mean, like the, the aftermath of Halloween would be perfect, wouldn't it? Like. Yeah, you know, that, that like Halloween, Christmas. Just we might happen. hold it back if if we come if it if we don't want it to come out like today in the middle of August. So it's fucking sweating. <laughs> yeah, that, that wouldn't be the best. It would be better to have it coming out. It's not August. Why am I saying August? Uh, we don't want to come out in the middle of a heat wave. It's probably better to have that. You know, when it gets to Halloween and Christmas time, you got that mood in the air, mm. and you kind of want to watch something a bit more like that. So yeah. So do you have any? last piece of advice because you've been given some nice piece of advice as all, all we've been giving out. like bargain basement like a guru uh, stuff yeah but do you have any uh, I mean he's advice great. for people that you know are artists themselves that might want to follow in your footsteps in terms of writing directing producing or actors what kind of pieces of advice can you give to them before we finish we're gonna go back to our our you know, power, power cinema, seminar. Uh, we're going to give the thing that I live by, which is Die Before You Die. So there's a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, I think that's mm -hmm. how you say it. And there was something in that book that, that he said, um, it's quite a grim thing, actually. If you imagine you, you got hit by a car and you were lying on the road and you're going to about to die, what would come to your mind that's important would be, oh, no, you know, th those things that would come to your head, you know, family and friends and the things you wanted to achieve, but you didn't die. So you can go and do all that stuff. But to, to imagine that, that quite dark thing will actually bring you back to center and make you realize what's actually important to you in your life. And if you don't do it, and then when you actually do get to that point where you're on your deathbed, uh, it'll be really lame to have not really lived the kind of stuff you want to live. So filmmakers out there, um, are very worried about how they're going to look and if they're going to screw up and it's all going to be a humiliating embarrassment. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it is, you've kind of got to go through that. you just got to um, be creating projects. It's not even that hard anymore. Cameras, you can, they're so cheap. 
there's no excuse anymore to not make anything. You've got to do the work. You've got to study writing and get a good script and get a good team together. But you can do all that. Um, it's much easier than it ever was to actually film something. It's harder to get distribution and make money from it. But that's actually great for content creation because the internet might open up a lot more new great avenues. So it's a really exciting time. Great. Well, thank you so much. Anthony, is there a way to, for actors that may be interested in seeing that, is there a way to contact you or how, how do we, how does yeah, one get involved? Um, the Haunted Cinema, there's a website. There's also just, uh, I guess, Facebook. I, don't, I need to set these systems up a bit more. So the hauntedcinema.com is the website. Or my real name on Facebook, you can kind of just request to follow the projects and stuff. And also you have the Haunted Cinema on Instagram as well. So I do, yeah. So Haunted Cinema at, Haunted, at the Haunted Cinema, and it's a load of film posters from movies that we love. Actually, that's probably the best way, yeah. So at The Haunted Cinema on Instagram, you can follow loads of film posters that we love, just showing that we love the horror genre, really. And then occasionally some updates on films that we're doing. But we're looking to expand The Haunted Cinema and do a lot more with that branding-wise this year. Okay, well, awesome. You hear it, folks. Thank you so much for coming on, Anthony. I really appreciate it. It's always great to be able to speak to your friends and really, you know, dive deep into what they, they're doing. And I think, you know, a lot of people are going to enjoy this because it's two conversations. It's a conversation with just two people who love what they do. And thank you so much for coming on. And thank you so much for sharing your wise words, your passion. And it, it really does come true in this podcast. So you're an absolute legend. You're, thank you. And so I will say, I want to reiterate just for everyone listening to this podcast. Anthony is a phenomenal guy, is a phenomenal director, and he's really nice to work with. I mean, there's been so many times when um, during scenes and, and the films that we've done that you've given me opportunities to grow and to try things out that may have not worked and may have worked. And for that room, for an actor, it means a lot. So thank you for, for giving me the opportunity as well. Thank you. Awesome. There's so many talented people on understudy.